you're listening to the Hunter Conservationist Podcast. So, of all you guys, who who would you say is your leader? Ariana and Hannah. Oh, we got we got a couple of <laughs> contradictions. So Ariana's the dad, so she's the leader. Uh, Ari- Ariana's the dad. Uh oh. Okay. We have this joke that Ariana's the dad of our little family, and then Merle, she's not here, but she's the mom, and so uh-huh. Ariana's the leader. <laughs> Okay, okay. But Taylor pointed to you too, so what's... Well, Ariana and Hannah are our most experienced hunters. I was talking, we were talking today and I was like, they're the mentors and Emily and I are like the mentorees. Oh, mentorees. Ah, that's a good name. We rely on them a lot to keep us organized and to teach us. (laughs) The The dual role? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Do you guys still have or do you have a name for your cells when you go out do you have a group name team name you just go to hunt camp hunt camp yeah that's yeah the most organized yeah go here and there a couple of us but that's the big climax is the hunt camp our hunt camp yeah <clears throat> cool so no no team team uniforms <laughs> we're open not to yet. suggestions <laughs> yeah not yet <laughs> <laughs> well i think uh, the reason I asked that, because I think Taylor shared that with me last year. I think you, you said you were does for does. Yeah, that was <laughs> the that joke was, one year. That was the joke one year. <laughs> we're not restricted. The next year we were bucks for does. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's that's good. Um, cool. You know, uh, our last episode was our one year uh, anniversary episode. And after that was done, I realized that I totally forgot to do something in that episode. I don't know if you caught it. So we never introduced ourselves like we normally oh, do. I did. <clears throat> I did when I was listening to it. I was like, oh. It wasn't yeah. until afterwards I was just going around. I'm like, oh, no. I never. And then I was like, well, okay. It's been a year. People are following us. Is it, is it like, we can we, can we like graduate past that? Or did people like tune into this episode and like, who the hell are these guys, right? They never said who they were. So um, I think it's proper to introduce ourselves. So, hey, everybody, it's uh, Mark Hall here, your host. And Curtis Hall, co-host. Cool. And um, before we jump into our guests, I just want to do a little bit of a shout out to uh, our followers and listeners down in the United States. So um, earlier in July, um, our hunter conservationist friends down in the United States lost a, a great conservationist and mentor, um, Jim Posowitz from Montana, passed away uh, beginning of uh, July. So Jim had a 32-year career with the Montana Fish and Wildlife. He wrote uh, five books, um, no one sort of in the genre of uh, ethics and, and hunting. Uh, even two weeks before he passed away, he had published an article, you know, about conservation and public um, water and lands down in the United States. And uh, I know he was an in- influential leader and a mentor to um, a lot of people down in the United States. I know he meant uh, a lot to a lot of you. So I just wanted to kind of say to our friends down in the United States and, and Canada as well. I mean, I know lots of people that have read his books and um, were influenced by his writing. So I just wanted to say from Canada that, uh, hey, we're thinking of y'all 
And I know that Jim meant a lot to your public lands and conservation and hunting. So um, just thinking about you. So this episode, this is the most guests we've ever had. So there's six of us sitting here. You should take a picture and put it up on social media. So we've even had to get some extra extra hardware. Yeah, they got some little pony. What is what is that? It's called a top knot. <laughs> top knot. Okay. You know what it reminds me of? You know, on the Grinch, the little girl? Yeah, exactly. She had that. Is that what it? Yeah, okay. I wore it for them. <laughs> okay. Because it shakes when I talk. <laughs> That's funny. Well, we'll get, we'll get a picture of that. So, um, so joining us today are uh, Ariana, Taylor, Emily, and Hannah. So I'm just going to get you guys to go through, uh, introduce yourselves, tell us uh, where you're from. Go ahead. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> I'm Hannah McIntyre, and I'm from Grassmere originally. Grew up in Jaffrey, uh, moved to Lethbridge for a while, and then I just recently moved back to the Mayuk area. Oh, well, good for you. <laughs> Still, still South Country. Yep. <laughs> Taylor? Um, I'm Taylor White. I am originally from the Caribou. Uh, grew up in Quinnell and moved from Quinnell when I was, when I was 17 to Vancouver. Stayed there for six or seven years and I've been in the Kootenays ever since for, I guess, probably seven-ish years or so. Um, yeah, it's definitely home now. Uh, good for you. Mm-hmm. No. No inklings for the big city? No. <laughs> like to visit, but this is definitely where I want to be. Oh, of course. I'm Ariana. I'm from Kelowna originally. Uh, kind of been all over the province, but this is definitely home for the last 10 years or so. Spent some time in Mackenzie, school in Prince George, and yeah, Cooney's is where my heart is as well. Oh, cool. And you guys got roots here with a home? Oh, yeah couple years old now yeah, a couple yeah. acres a couple critters is it finished sure is it no no <laughs> <laughs> it's a work in progress a work in progress i knew that uh i'm emily chow and i grew up in edmonton and then moved here coming up on five years ago now oh. yeah i love it yeah don't yeah. no desire to go back to edmonton <laughs> you don't miss the winters uh no no, there's fun things to do here in the winter. There's not fun things to do there. <laughs> Other than just survive in yeah. Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, welcome everybody. So, yeah, I mean, the bit of the theme here is um, for some of you, it's kind of like you're just a few years into hunting. A few of you have been hunting for a while. So it's going to be kind of a cool conversation around that. So, um, again, just kind of Go, go through, give us a little bit of a breakdown on um, how long you've been hunting and uh, why did you get into hunting? Start with Emily. Um, well, I got into hunting because my dad always hunted and kind of grew up in a hunting family and lots of our family friends hunted, so kind of grew up with that atmosphere, but I didn't really get into hunting until maybe the last seven or eight years. Um, yeah, started in Alberta around Edmonton and going out with my dad and going waterfowl hunting or going out and sitting and watching for deer and yeah, I just love it. How old would that have been? Uh, like 18. Okay. 18. Yeah. Kind of when I started, I guess started university and kind of started to get into the field and 
interested and yeah, kind of took a liking to it and kind of asked, Hey, would you take me out hunting sometime? All right. On. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Ariana. I got into hunting like 12 years ago because wow. I was dating this really hot guy that liked hunting. <laughs> I really had no idea what it was before that, but yeah, once I started going out with him, like, this is awesome. It's pretty much just hiking and exploring nature, which I love and spending time with him. And yeah, once we had, once I'd been on a few experiences with him and our freezer was always stocked with meat, I was like, well, I'm participating in this anyway. I think it's time to start being a little bit more active and right on. got myself a bow and yeah, took it from there. Wow. Cool. 12 years. Wow. Yeah. That's good. And it was just all because of a guy. Yeah. No, not the f- hunting family, the dad. No, the, no it's no. not as cool of a story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. Like I said, I didn't like growing up in Kelowna. I didn't even know people hunted. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's cool. It wow. was a great exposure. I didn't didn't really know that that was something that you could do. Go out and get your own meat. So, a lifestyle. Yeah, definitely been a big part of my life ever since then. And say good ab- goodbye to the disposable income and <laughs> a load of hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Taylor? Um, I've been hunting for two years. I'm like the rookie of the group, I guess. Um, I didn't grow up in a hunting family. I guess, uh, you know, I did in a way, it skipped a generation. My grandpa's a big hunter, um, and I guess my uncle, but um, my parents um, aren't really into hunting. Um, didn't, you know, I, I was, you know, in an outdoor family for sure growing up, but, uh, you know, more hiking and biking and that kind of thing. And uh, moved away to Vancouver, and I have a degree in, like, natural resource conservation. So I guess it kind of started to get exposed to that there. And, and for me, it's kind of all comes back to food. Um, I'm a big cook and really passionate about cooking and like foraging, fishing, hunting, the whole picture. You know, I want to do everything from scratch. I want to get my own food, however cool. that looks. And so that was really the passion for me um, is just filling the freezer. And I think from there, you know, my motivation was always like, you know, I'm not really into hunting culture. I think at first it was what I was thinking, but I just want good quality meat. You yeah. know, I want to explore that. Um, but I think over the past years, I've just learned to be so passionate about, you know, that unique experience that you get when you're when you're out there hunting and you're out there hiking, which I've always loved. Mm. And you're just spending that quiet time in nature. I think last year I posted a picture on social media, like just the five of us or whatever, six of us who are out, just kind of the end of the day and you know we'd finished hunting and we were walking back to the trucks and I was like you guys are like the the my most favorite people that I like to be just cold and quiet with in the forest (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah definitely learn to appreciate and as you know whether you've hunted a lot or just a little bit most of your time hunting is hiking and enjoying the quietness of nature so so that's good that those are the things you like yeah and Taylor uh, is an amazing cook. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, so you're saddled with those duties at camp? Well, Emily is uh, our like camp chef, I'd say. She's oh. like, Emily is so good at feeding lots of people all the time. And uh, yeah, I'm like very passionate about it. We make a good team, I think. Yeah. So there's a special thing about a camp cook because when you get back at 11 o'clock at night, like on like uh, early hunts in September, like nobody's really interested in like the whole fancy thing. It's just like 
just get some food, get it in, house. and then <laughs> into bed, right? So Not at hunt camp. Yeah, not yeah, at no. hunt camp. What did component. you make? Like lamb? Lamb and halloumi meatballs. Yeah. It's from the Whitewater Cookbook. <laughs> Amazing recipe. Pre-make the meatballs. Just get the sauce ready, cook it on the stove. So they're like, oh, there's a good buck up on that hillside. We should. Emily's like, well, it's one o'clock. I got to get headed back to get the... <laughs> Better start supper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why I volunteer for dinner and not breakfast, because I'd rather... Uh-huh. stay up late and cook rather than have to be the first one up to make coffee and make breakfast. So I always volunteer for dinner first. Oh, there's strategy and all this too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Hannah, what about you? Um, I guess I grew up always doing it. I grew up on a ranch in Grasmere. My dad was a guide for a really long time when I was a kid in the Flathead in the Kishinina. Um, so I guess I grew up always doing it, but the thing that I remember the most when I was little is hunting what I call chickens. <laughs> so hunting grouse with a twenty-two. that's my favorite thing to do still to this very day. Um, I think my first gun was a twenty-two, and then graduated way up to a big two forty-three, well. and then I went up to a two seventy, and I got an odd six, and I still go back to my two seventy because I like it so much. Oh, cool. Cool. Huh? Yeah, chickens are uh, are gross. Gross hunting can uh, you can't underestimate small game. You can get a lot more hunting in than sometimes with a big animal by being interested in small stuff. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a really big big game culture here, isn't it? Like there's not a lot of people dedicate to small game hunting exclusively here. No, not really. Like. Uh I always make fun of my grandpa because he, I always say he could have like the nicest elk or the nicest sheep, whatever he's hunting right in front of him. And if a chicken walked across the road, he'd shoot the chicken because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he just likes eating them so much. And I like them too. But um, yeah, I never really, other than grouse, like I never really heard of bird hunting all that much until I got older and moved to Alberta. And then everyone was like, what do you mean you don't hunt birds? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. We just kind of hunt elk and deer and yeah. sheep, and I never thought about shooting a duck before. <laughs> not, not as not as many waterfall in the Rocky Mountains. No, yeah. not not as much at all. Huh, cool. So, how's um, <clears throat> how's your guys' success been? The 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 newbies. Uh, zero for me so far. Um, yeah, I feel like year one, I was not mentally prepared. It was more about just observing and you know and learning what it's all about um last year you know I spent a ton of time shooting before we went to hunt camp and before I got out and felt really good about it but no luck which is all good it was still an amazing experience and yeah 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 year one it was like I was talking to Ariana today and you know we went out to a location and we would split up into groups or whatever and and go on the land and I was with Ariana and uh, I'm like, Kate, let's, you know, let's see. Like, we're obviously quiet, so I can't ask a bunch of questions. And I'm just, Ariana starts walking and I just feel like I'm just like sneaking up behind her. Like, okay, what's Ariana doing? Okay, what's she doing now? She'd like stop, like pick up her binos and like look. So I would like stop, pick up mine, <laughs> look, and just follow along. Just went, went through the motions, but you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, just learning by doing. <clears throat> Usually someone like yourself in camp the first year would be like, 
Hey, how did you do, Taylor? Good. Would you guys say that this is a big buck? <laughs> and yeah. then it, like your first one would be like the biggest one you ever get or something. Yeah, totally. So, but you're you're still still searching for that. So. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it'll be this year. Hope so. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Emily, how how's hunting success been for you? Uh, as far as hunt camp goes, I haven't gotten anything yet. But I was there uh, a couple of years ago when. One of the other girls who's not here got her first year. Oh, cool. So that's pretty exciting. And I spotted it and we sat there for a while and we talked about it. And how far away is it? Do you think I could shoot that? I don't know. And we already talked that it would be her shot. So she sat down and shot and it was great. And then we get a call on the radio from the other group. Um, these three up top on a ridge and they're like, did you just shoot? We heard a gunshot. And we're like, yeah. And they were just above us on the ridge and we're like yeah come down so they all came down and we all cleaned it together and oh cool it was really great such a good experience and yeah so good to learn from them and yeah really memorable that's yeah. where taylor got her nickname the bone breaker yeah the bone cracker <laughs> yeah oh, what's that story <laughs> well i think we all just have different strengths and <laughs> And Taylor's like bone breaking. I can break bone if I need to. <laughs> just when we were quartering it, like trying to get the joints apart. Oh, she just she just uh, she she just rip it rip it off. Yeah, strong oh. sheer strength. Femur over the knee. Yeah, just. exactly. <laughs> did you know you're supposed to cut first? <laughs> oh, we <Yeah>. did. Oh. <laughs> oh no, that's pretty cool. Um, is it is it getting like frustrating for you, Taylor? Is you feel any like pressure? Or is this like no, this. I think like the end of the day, like the last day, I had to leave a little early um, last year at hunt camp, and you know I was paired up with Hannah for most of the weekend, and like we tried really hard. We tried like, so hard. <laughs> yeah, so I felt a bit, you know, like bummed that I had to leave, because um, I felt like I, well, I just wanted to stay and put in some more time, but um, yeah, it's just part of the process. Like I know this is not an easy activity and and that's fine it'll come when it does i feel like it's so awesome too especially when there's a group of us out and then we debrief at the end of the day and you're like yeah i saw this deer but then like this and this and this happened and yeah we're just always learning like every situation is different yeah mm. totally and there's so much to absorb so <clears throat> yeah it's just a matter of time before you connect yeah yeah, yeah i've been in <clears throat> camps uh, especially archery camp where there's like more than one of us and we do the same thing at the end of the day we do debrief and the usually the rule is is like nobody talks about like what your experience was for the day you get through supper you get dishes done then you sit on the campfire and then everybody goes around and say okay this is what happened to me today <clears throat> so that's kind of a neat a neat tradition but the other cool part about that is like as you're each sharing your experiences every day it's like you're building this picture of what's going on in the area and it becomes almost sort of like a strategy session like military you keep and then pretty soon like well oh, that's three days in a you know this week that somebody's seen something going along that certain spot and then you know you kind of keep working towards where it's all going to come together yeah. maybe that's and why you, that guy was creeping in the outhouse by our camp for so long <laughs> <laughs> listening to us They'd come like every <laughs> night like, you have an outhouse right by your camp why do you keep coming over here <laughs> oh because he was listen, listening on the intel yeah trying to get our secrets yeah. Oh, well, that's not good. <laughs> do do, uh, do any of you have specific, like, goals? Like, when you go out hunting, it's just like, this is what I want to do on this trip, or set for yourself, or, like, do you... 
Do you find goal or objective orientated? You're nodding your head. You well, we have a we got the Spatsy LEH draw for Stone Sheep this so year. We'll be there the last two weeks of August, so that's wow. definitely a goal heading into that. Okay, trip. okay. There's a lot of goal and objective and planning around that. Yeah, yeah. Holy. Bigger trips like that for sure, but I don't know when it's just the weekend and we're out looking for elk or deer. It's just so awesome to be out and enjoying nature. Right. Looking around. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of both. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think sometimes you can get kind of like too goal focused and then you don't see all that fun stuff that's out there. Yeah, for sure. Now, when you guys first started into hunting did you feel there were any barriers to getting into hunting like being young girls or young women like was it yeah everybody's <laughs> nodding their head what's your experience I think for me like uh before I went out with these girls I wasn't very confident in my skills like myself like I felt that I needed to have my dad or my stepdad or my boyfriend or just a guy friend of mine to lead me through it and then when I went out with these girls it was kind of funny because I was like I'm not very experienced like Ariana's got to lead us like I'll go in Ariana's group because I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) and then when Marika actually got her deer I realized I was like, oh, I actually do know what I'm doing. And everyone was like, oh, so like, how do we start? And I was like, well, just like this and whipped out my knife. And I was like, wow, I actually do have what it takes. And like, I don't always have to have someone male, like leading me through it. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's cool. So if you kind of would have, um, you know, stayed with your family and hunted with your dad and stuff, that might've been thing maybe perpetuated longer into your hunting career yeah I think you just get really comfortable like you're used to somebody always making the plan or doing whatever like and so you're always used to the more experienced person probably no matter what I guess I just hadn't really hunted with women before Mm. Um, and then it kind of forced me to take that step to be like oh hey I don't have to be a dude to know what I'm doing (laughs) cool cool now, Taylor, you were nodding your head barriers to getting into hunting. Yeah, I what think I think for me, it's just there's just so much learning, oh. you know, like that's, you know, it's not really about being um, young or female for me because I have this, you know, I kind of came into it with this amazing group of women. Um, you know, this is my first hunting experiences with these girls. So, um, you know, I never really had what Hannah's talking about. It was so that was a bit different for for me but for me it was like like last like I just bought my first gun you know and so I have to learn how to sight this thing I didn't even know what that is before so for me like that was the barrier is like how do I get all this knowledge and get myself ready and get myself to a place where I'm confident um in my own abilities to shoot something and my abilities to get something and um and even just the gear like figuring out what what I need to be out there and be comfortable and like be mobile. And so that was, I think the barrier for me even, um, but then on the flip side, you know, the real, um, benefit that I had was like this, this great group who I'm not afraid to ask a stupid question and Mm. like super just open. And, uh, yeah, that was a really positive thing for me to start off with. Yeah. Well, that's a very different experience. Yeah. What about you, Arianna, when you 
I don't really started. feel like there were barriers getting into it. And I think that's kind of cool what Hannah was touching at because I don't really know when I started. I think I started solo hunting because my husband goes guiding. So he's kind of gone for the first bit of hunting season. Okay. I'm not going to wait around for him. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like that's a good point. You do get pretty comfortable with like your main hunting partner and you have to have the confidence to go out or go out with new people mm-hmm. and still, yeah, be sure of yourself that you know what you're doing and you know what to do in situations. I think, yeah, for new females getting into hunting, it's like, I think it is hard how it's portrayed in social media and marketing. Like when I started, there wasn't really any female specific camo, not that that matters, but, and then some of the stuff I see now is like pretty tight or like accentuating your body. And then some of the people you see are like wearing a lot of makeup. Like I think it's about what feels comfortable for you and maybe not really looking at what others are doing. And yeah, like Taylor just, she's going out. She's like slowly accumulating stuff and. Yeah, I don't have any camo yet. Yeah. No. This year getting camo. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. As long as you're warm and dry. Yeah, exactly. Huh. But yeah, like I don't want to be out there in like Lululemon camo, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> is that uh, a thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there you go. Maybe, maybe you can start. Uh, Emily, what about you? When you when you kind of got started, these barriers. Um, I feel pretty lucky. Like after hearing your guys' experience, like I feel like starting. My dad was always so supportive of like, what do you need? What do you want? What do you want to do? You need a gun? I'll give you a gun. Like I'm pretty lucky to have a crazy gun nut dad and, and brother. Like always, what do you need? You, you come back, they would live in Edmonton. Come back to Edmonton. Next time you come back, I'll give you this or give you that. And yeah, whatever, whatever I needed was always there and always supported, which is pretty lucky for me. And I still, I mean, I still have that. It's pretty so, lucky. So you were, you said you were just kind of getting into it like 18 ish. Was there issues like with your friends like all of a sudden like you're doing what this weekend like does that yeah a little bit a little bit with some of my friends that are still there it's so different from this group of ladies that I hang out (laughs) with now and they're like oh my god we don't want to see any of your pictures we don't what are you doing like what are you going out and huh yeah it's a little bit a little bit different but I think once I yeah kind of told them about why I was doing it, the bigger experience of getting out. I think they slowly are coming around to uh, the idea or maybe, yeah. Cool. They'll be phoning you up and asking you to take them out pretty quick. Yeah, maybe. I've well, had that a couple of times already from some of my um, guy friends in Edmonton that had never oh, gone wow. out or didn't have hunting families. And they're like, Emily, would you take me out? Like, yeah. Yeah, of course I would. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. No, that's really good. Um, there was an article just came out recently, um, can't remember where it was published or whatever, but it was talking about women in hunting. Um, and that's sort of like, um, sort of worldwide. It's like the fastest growing segment in hunting is the increase of women, um, coming in into hunting. And, um, so I just got a couple questions for you guys, like around that, just kind of your thoughts on that. I think you've touched on, you know, a few of the things, um, you know, why, why this is sort of happening at this, this point in time. And, um, does stuff like that bother you though? Like when you see kind of like where women get like segmented out and it's like, they're tracking, like just 
your participation in hunting or like you talked about the like the clothing thing like that sort of stuff does it is that a good thing that it's like getting the attention so that more young girls and women get into it because they see that there's some support or is it kind of like don't treat us like this separate thing in hunting like what are your thoughts on that yes to both yeah (laughs) yeah okay okay yeah I feel like in general we're in more of a feminist movement and yeah seeing women like take their place in things that maybe they haven't typically been involved in but yeah I just feel like why not like why haven't we all been why haven't our female predecessors been doing this but yeah I feel like for me coming from a non-hunting family part of it is like I always just think of my mom when I was growing up being like you can do whatever you want Mm -hmm. and and really instilling that not just by saying it but in her actions too and making sure that I didn't have boundaries so in my mindset like I don't think of myself as becoming a female hunter I just think like I do whatever I want you know like (laughs) it's yeah so I think it's great to see, (laughs) I think it's great to see, um, you know, more females hunters out there because definitely we'll encourage people that, you know, it doesn't matter. You can, if you're female, male, whatever, you just go hunting. Like it's the same, but I guess on the flip side is, you know, I also don't like the objectification of a female hunter or, you know, that it's something special. Um, so I guess that's the flip side. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think we all just want to go out and hunt and yeah, that's kind of the bottom line. Just sort of like it's normalized as opposed to mm-hmm. being, have to, having to be special news. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Yeah. But it does, you know, it's, it's great to see other women hunting too. So yeah. it, that's, you know, I think why it's both. And I'm sure there must be like a segment of women that are influenced by that 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 becomes their motivation or their encouragement because they do see some of it so mm-hmm. yeah I think I get get what you're saying there's it can be <laughs> a yeah. bit of a bit of both yeah and, I think it's good to have the conversations but like Taylor says doesn't matter if you're male or female like I feel like I know a lot of new hunters or people in the area that are just interested in starting hunting and it's awesome to see a just, lot more people just being more connected with nature being more connected mm-hmm. to where their food's coming from Absolutely. Just it's hunting is just a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a, a lifestyle. Yeah. One thing that I like want to like stray away from is there being one female hunter stereotype. You know, mm. I think we all come in it for different reasons. Um, and I think that that's important to recognize that, you know, like you can be a really multifaceted person and hunting is just one part of who you are and you don't have to fit a certain mold. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. 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 Cause there was definitely a lot of stereotypes developed over the decades for men in hunting, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and even different like, um, stages of evolution through a man's life. There's like these different archetypes, like in, in hunting kind of like from, you know what they said sort of like you know young guys would get into it and it's sort of like it's all about like the ego and uh, grip and grin and like the buddies and you know and and sort of all of that what they call like the bloodlust phase and then sort of you get older and have families and you kind of like your life mellows out and then you become more sort of conscientious and there was definitely like a lot of categories built around that that 
guys got plugged into. So, I mean, hopefully that's not something that happens in your field. I mean, it do, you do see it a little bit on social media too, right? Like the, you know, there's some archetypes that people are purposely trying to, trying to create. So I think it'd be cool to get to a point where you could just like appreciate the uniqueness of like each gender in hunting and you're not like necessarily stereotyping or archetyping it in any way like recognizing that women are maybe unique in one way versus mm. men or something like that I don't know I just don't think we're there yet but yeah and I know I've read other other like articles and heard other women speak that the whole clothing thing has been a big huge yeah. thing in hunting right like because you know before like I, I've read stories where women have like, well, I've got to go buy like man's small pants, you know, and, but it's like, then the waist is like here and like all, all this kind of stuff. And it's, it hasn't really been that long where, you know, women getting into hunting is like enough that now like there's female specific mm-hmm. outdoor clothes. And I mean, back, some companies make backpacks you know, that are different because rifles, rifles, I was listening to a podcast on my way back from Vancouver this spring. And they were talking uh, with the guys from Winchester and they're saying that they're actually like, they have a, a, a women's built shorter. Yeah. Shorter. Yeah. Cause the difference between like your shoulder and where your hand sits is, is, and, and just, the way your arm sits as well, I believe was, was different. So they actually now have, now have that. I'm yeah. Sure. I think that some gear makes a difference like that, where it's something mm-hmm. that is like more technical. We're generally shaped a little bit different and I for sure have a more female specific gun, but yeah. Other things, I don't know if it's just like marketing, Binoculars. some stuff I don't buy into, but yeah, yeah some stuff is helpful for sure. We yeah. don't want pink camo. No, no, <laughs> that's the consensus camo. here. <laughs> but sometimes pink camo's cute. <laughs> <laughs> we do what we want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, deer, the deer can't see it, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, so, I mean, this this is uh, uh, probably already probably already answered this, but I mean, ha- have you feel or do you still feel that like hunting's male dominated or male orientated? Or do you see more of a balance now in what you're doing? I feel like the people that I see out when I'm hunting are typically males. I'd say the only place I've felt an imbalance is in certain hunting stores. Like, mm. just not really being treated equally. Only some. Yeah. But, yeah, kind of feeling like, why are you in here? Why are you asking these oh, questions? Really? Really? Huh. Mm-hmm. That's like, interesting. A little bit of belittling going on there, but... In Canada or down in the States? Yeah, in our home province. Really? Huh. Interesting. But this has been over the span of 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I've found, like, any time we're out, I've certainly never had any negativity. Like, people are generally pretty stoked to see me out there. And I find, especially if I'm by myself, people are very friendly. Like, they'll engage in a lot more dialogue than if I'm with my hubby or other people. Oh, okay. Like, it, it feels more supportive, like, oh, you should go check out that area. Oh, interesting. Well, that's good. <laughs> that, that can help. You don't have to hide behind outhouses to get intel from <laughs> other people that are out there. <laughs> that guy stole our firewood, too. <laughs> really? Yeah. Came from, into our tent. <laughs> stole our firewood. What? Yeah. yeah. When you were out hunting, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Did you get back at him? Yeah, we went back and stole back out of his tent. <laughs> uh, that's it. He didn't. He didn't leave. Uh, well, then little... he then he realized his error, and then came over and apologized and brought it all back. Oh. And he's like, I thought you guys were gone. Like, no, yeah. our tent's still set up. We're yeah. obviously returning. Yeah, I know. We just buy new tents every year. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Just leave it. Oh. So what what types of hunts have you guys been on together as a group? It's just been local. Like we'll go out when it's, I don't know, we've got some pretty awesome seasons down here. So try to pick when most species are open and yeah, not really go out with any objective. Just try and get some just opportunities. Get a block block of time together or is it just a weekend thing? Or do you get to take a week off together? Or? Maybe we'll do a week this year. I think yeah. we've done like a... Like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't weren't you guys doing like Kamloops trip together? Didn't you do one over there for the mule deer season? Not yet. No. no? Oh, okay. Nope. <laughs> okay. It's just all all been local. Well, that's that's good too. So it's just all been deer and elk hunting and stuff. Yeah, I put in for uh, moose draw every year up north, but probably four years in a row I haven't got lucky yet. No. So. Huh. Yeah, we'll see. Well, Hannah should be able to get you started in waterfall hunting. Emily, too. You said you're... Uh. Yeah, my, that's my one goal for this year. I have a, a two-year-old black lab, and I've been training her. So oh, hopefully this, this is the year. Take her out. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Show us Perfect. your duck call. <laughs> no. <laughs> Somebody make a turkey call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where's Ollie? Yeah. See, well, Curtis's dog, Sage, she, she started going out with us when she was little like that so well mm-hmm. less like well because she's two and a half now it's like I, I was bringing her out she was not even a year so i don't know how much year training but she does a decent job but she's not like she's not like in the sporting magazines or anything yeah. so usually what we have to do is uh is one of us has to hold her in the blind because if you don't it's just like you have you just stand up to shoot and it's just like the no, dog's gone it's, yeah it's not even standing <laughs> up it's because because the way we have our blind there's a little slit that we put right in the middle so she can run out and grab the ducks and when you have ducks coming in you're calling 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 and then and then you put the calls down as they're coming in and just as you're reaching for your shotgun to get ready to stand up dog she's out gone. standing mm-hmm. in the middle of the decoys like waiting for yeah. the ducks to come down so then they just <laughs> so Hopefully you're doing a... My plan for the first hunt is just to handle her, to go out with other people that can shoot and I'll just handle her mm. and to make it so she has like a good first few retrieves and then yeah. see where we get to, but maybe you have to stake her down for a while. Huh. We'll see. So far she's pretty steady, but that's only with practice. I've heard the thing where you, the practice where you sit with them and then you throw the thing and then you shoot the cap gun and the dogs have to like, you train them so they don't. Yeah, I've had her out with the, one of the dummy launchers before. So she's pretty good with like the noise and had her trained on other people throwing it and I can tell her to go and she'll come back. But I don't know what it's going to be like with a real a real bird in a real situation yeah. when she's really excited. Yeah. We'll see. And then then you're all going to have to buy labs. I've yeah. got a pointer. Upland game bird. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. He's precious. He's way smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's crazy. Like... They just hunt and then he's mm. on point yeah. or like it's up a tree. And then your lab comes in and flushes it anyways. A hundred percent. So you're using it for grouse? 
are yeah. working towards that. Yeah. Girls and mountain biking. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. It's so awesome seeing the instincts of dogs. Like, yeah. How yeah, certain, they're just so much smarter than us. And certain they breeds got to figure there. out. Yeah. You don't have to do a lot and they know what to do. No. Yeah. I don't that know. Was, if- that was even sage. Like I hadn't done a whole lot of training before I took her out on that first duck hunt. And it was like, she knew out, pick it up and bring it back and then swim to the other side of the channel and drop it and <laughs> shake and look at you <laughs> run away <laughs> but yeah i don't know if jess is as smart as uh ariana's pointer but she is a really good retriever so does what she's bred to do especially after the first few times she'll probably just know what's up and yeah be so keen yeah i think so oh that's good well i hope you get out and do some waterfall hunting and We've been doing more and more of it, and it's like it's it's a lot of fun. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll report back in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We'll do it. We'll do a post-season waterfall update. Ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You just need to uh, find someone over in Creston. Yeah. Mm. We've got a good friend Some, in Grand Forks, and they've got oh, it going yeah. on there. Yeah, Grand Forks. Yeah, he invited me out last year. I'll have to take him up on it. Yep. Yeah. He's what better trained dogs than mine, I think. <laughs> the last, from them. The last yeah. few years over in the Creston Valley have been pretty unreal. Yeah. For ducks. Like you'd be in the field and like they're coming in like in flocks of like five, six, yeah. seven thousand birds. It's like it's hard to do anything because you're just like just in awe. This big swirling mass in the sky. It's but even with that many ducks, they land over there and not where you are. Yeah, so. <laughs> they're wise. <laughs> so when you guys, um, when you guys are out as a group hunting, um, how do you, how do you approach it? Like, how do you break yourselves up? How do you do what? Do you always go out, like in pairs? Do you ever go like just do something on your own for the day and meet up? Or we always go in pairs, especially because yeah. we're. Newer hunters wanting to help people learn. Yeah. And then we usually kind of switch it up every day. Yeah, we try to switch it up between like the more experienced and the less experienced. But I was actually saying last time it kind of sucks because I never get to go with Ariana. <laughs> but that's okay. We'll go one day this We'll year. just have to go other times. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> um, so the... It was funny, like that story you told me about, like following Ariana, and it's like she'd stop, you'd stop, you'd t- mm-hmm. pick up. Do you do you feel like um, now after like a couple of years that that still happens, or you you've kind of got the got think, the flow of the game? And yeah, I've got I've got it a bit more dialed now. Like obviously, I'm learning so much still. Um, from whoever I'm going out with, but yeah, I can definitely, you know, I've been out on my own and, or with them and I, you know, I can go out and kind of know what's going on and know what the protocol is and yeah, definitely move past that stage. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor and I were hunkered down, uh, just kind of like glassing and I had a little bit of a siesta and Taylor (laughs) pokes me awake. Hey, there's a bunch of elk over there. (laughs) So she knows what's up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The experienced one has a nap. Yeah. (laughs) Just get so tired when I eat so much good food. Yeah. (laughs) What, um, 
if if you kind of had to think back on your experiences so far, what are some what are some things that stand out? Like, um, you know, best, funniest. Have you had something that's like really scared you when you've been out there? Have you scared yourself? Have you been in a situation that? I haven't really felt scared. I think well, two years ago when Ariana and I were out, like. Um, there was definitely a lot of like wolves in the area. Mm. Um, so that was a bit nerve wracking. Um, but I mean, you could be hunting or just hiking and it's the same kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So remember when that bear was checking us out for like half the day last year? Yeah. We kept running into this bear and then we ended up, um, yeah, we looked at it and it looked at us and we kind of stopped and Hey bear, like talked to it. And then it went down and kind of hunkered off and then we sat down and we're glassing for a while and it comes across the field and didn't notice us and yeah we kept running into it <laughs> but it wasn't really it didn't feel scary it felt very much like we're on equal turf yeah. here yeah like sharing the woods yeah. yeah we're not bothering you you don't bother us we're pretty good huh cool yeah i know the scary situations i always find now is when you do actually have an animal and you're out there and you're processing it because you're always in the back of your mind right and a couple of years ago in the archery season when I got an elk we had to go back the next day to make a second trip and and it's like this whole tentative thing I of walk. say it's in the back of your mind it's like that's Poor all friend. you're thinking <laughs> yeah no I would yeah. I would yeah. say so yeah <laughs> yeah like oh yeah there's pairs here you're like holy shit yeah <laughs> let's get this thing processed and get out of here yeah. yeah that's definitely the worst part yeah last year um my husband was up at elk camp but I had to come back for work and then he texted me from the inreach elk down it's like ah just shut my computer like I'm on my way so then, yeah, got in there and helping him process it and pretty in the zone. But he was like kind of wary. And so as soon as he's wary of something, I'm like, ooh, something's up. <laughs> and then, yeah, we were like in pretty thick timber. You can't really see around you. And once we started processing, it was like in the zone, not really thinking. But then we had both of our dogs and they just started barking like, oh, what is what is going on? We never saw anything, but yeah. they're like they have a like deep bear bark. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, after that, I just like totally had the heebie-jeebies all day. Yeah, that's um, that's definitely a big, can be a big scary experience in this, this part of the world. So what's, um, what's some of your fondest memories so far? I think just like the different, just sitting and, you know, in silence with each other, I think um, last year, Hannah and I had a really amazing day where we walked a lot and the next ridge yeah. okay all right <laughs> we're just gonna look at the next ridge <laughs> yeah okay maybe just the next one <laughs> yeah that we was covered fun. a lot of ground but that was just you know it was we felt just so out there and I mean we weren't that far but yeah it was just really special to be out there together and be spending that time outside and after that thing I don't know if it was the same day or the next day but we all of us had come back to camp kind of a couple hour, like we just had no luck and came back to camp and um, there was a spot nearby and we all went out together and just sat in this like recently 
treated forest. It was so like open and beautiful mm. and you know, the sky is starting to change colors and we're just all kind of you know, sitting at the top you could see us all kind of scattered among each other like amongst each other and just watching and yeah, just like really cool and the light's beautiful and just there together and the mountains start to glow and just feel like those moments are really special. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's really happening but it's just <laughs> just that uh, peacefulness. Yeah. The the one I've always felt kind of like along that lines is when you have that sense of where you're present. Like your mind and everything is like right here and right now. And I don't know if this happens to you, but I do have a lot of problems usually at the beginning of hunts or on short weekends of actually being present. Cause it's like your mind is going about all these other things, work back home or whatever. And it gets frustrating cause you'll just like stop and shake your head. And it's just like, you know, it's like you, you can walk for like hundreds of yards on a road and then all of a sudden do the like, okay, I wasn't like paying attention at all or whatever. And, um, that feeling of just being present and, yeah, I think that's time cool. doesn't matter, you know, like, like whatever. And I don't, I don't know. I, hunting is the only place I actually find that actually happens. I can say I'm present. Yeah. I definitely feel that like, it's the one thing I feel like when you go out in the bush, if you're going for a hike or having a kind of a different objective rather than hunting, you're the walk there is kind of, you're not really present you can think about other things or talk with your group but I feel like hunting is so different because you're walking through the forest and you're looking at tracks and looking at scat and looking for sign and you're constantly analyzing your surroundings and you're going and I find that really rewarding Mm -hmm. like you notice things that you would have never noticed if you were just walking through on a hike and you can talk and be loud but I think yeah getting somewhere and then sitting and glassing and it's relaxing but exciting and you're waiting for something to walk out and but you feel yeah it's quiet and you can think but it's nice if you're sitting with someone where it's, you feel like you're bonding at the same time mm-hmm. yeah. and you don't even have to talk about anything yeah i think that's a really special feeling you know those are the things that i think people that don't hunt don't understand those things like you're saying like those things that you really stand out and really appreciate out there. Like they just, they have a very conceived notion about what's driving us out there and not how you enjoy all those other things. Like, cause I said at the beginning, it's like 99% of when you go hunting, it's like you're going for a hike and you're enjoying what's around you. So it's like, I don't think a lot of people really, really get how important that is to, to everybody. Yeah. I think definitely the people I know see hunting as, the people that they know that post their trophy photo and that's what they think. But I don't know. I've definitely tried if I'm going to post a photo, I post our, our hike in or our group or sitting in glassing, like not posting the, like if you kill something, because it's about so much more than just that moment. It's about the real experience. And even if you don't get anything, it's just, yeah, such a different experience from anything else really. Yeah. That's a good point too. I was just going to say like, I've been out with other hunters before where if you see a doe or you see something that you're not after at the time, they get bored like they don't want to see that. They just want to see a big buck or they just want to see something trophy worthy. Mm. But I could just sit outside and watch whatever animal all day, whether it's a bird or like a songbird or whatever. I think that's 
And that goes back to what you were saying of being present too. Like half the amount of time, I wouldn't notice that songbird or I wouldn't notice that particular bug or that particular flower. But it's, that's the yeah. nice part. You that's would always it. notice the flower, Hannah. I would yeah. hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what you were saying about uh, that one experience of like going to the ridge and the next ridge and the next ridge, I, I find too like a tremendous amount of the enjoyment I get is uh, it's like it's like that exploration, especially when you get in the high country in the mountains, like it almost like it stops being hunting. And it's like, you do want to look on the backside. You do want to see in that basin. You do want to, like, there's some cool alpine habitat you want to go cruise through or whatever. And because and, you, you reach a point where you're going, there's no way in hell we're shooting anything up here. But then you'll spend the whole day up, like, somewhere like that. And and uh, it's kind of unfortunate that you're dragging your gun all along, <laughs> you know, the extra weight on that. But it's... Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, it's not that you get bored at like the next ridge that you're at. You just always see something cool at the next ridge. So you're like, yes, let's keep going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's yeah. something I didn't really, um, I said at the beginning, you know, my reason for getting into hunting was for food. Um, and that's definitely like a benefit that I never really expected. You know, you're out there giving yourself permission just to be and to, explore and to be quiet and mm-hmm. you don't do that when you're you know hiking to get to the top of the mountain or... and then when you do have that food it's like there's so much more meaning behind it when you're preparing and cooking and stuff because all of that yeah kind of comes comes out in it totally yeah i was gonna say one i think one of my favorite memories is when our friend shot that deer and then we came back and had a backstrap and instant garlic mashed potatoes and we all ate it together and we're like this is the most delicious thing I've ever eaten but it was like a perfect like ending to the day yeah absolutely absolutely oh that's cool any other uh, funny stories that pop to mind besides the firewood thief you must you guys you just seem like the type that spend half the time laughing our hunt camp is way more fun than any other hunt camp I've been to (laughs) that's for sure yeah we play a lot of games. Yeah. It's a lot of shenanigans. I feel like Ariana's our prankster. Like, <laughs> not prankster, jokester. Yes. <laughs> Keep, keeps things lively. Yeah. Oh. We, yeah. You probably would be a little annoyed camping beside us. Yeah. <laughs> like, definitely. <laughs> uh, we're definitely having some laughs out there. One of the best stories, and she's not with us right now, but another girl named Allie. I'll never forget it. I think it's so funny. I don't know how we got on the subject. We had a little bit of whiskey when we got back. We were hanging out. It was great. And we're going around the fire and everyone's saying, if you had a spirit animal, what do you think it would be? And everyone's going around going, oh, I'd be an eagle or I'd be a bear. Or I'd be a cougar. I'd be all these great things. And we get to our friend, Allie. And we're like, what do you think you'd be, Allie? She thinks about it for a second. She goes... Well, I think I'd be a turkey. <laughs> we all start laughing. Why do you think you'd be a turkey? And I wish she was here to do it for you. But she said, listen to my turkey call. <laughs> and she did it so loud and so clear. And we all just laughed so hard. It was the funniest thing ever. Uh, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Who, who would pick their spirit animals? A tree? I'd probably would. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I was going to say, I think these are the guys you would talk to. It was for a spirit animal to be a turkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've actually, I've pondered this question before. 
I've actually always thought I would be want to be a little tiny bird. Why? Just because I think it would be the coolest thing. Like, you'd fly under the radar, so to speak, of like most things that are out there, like trying to kill and eat things and stuff, right? Um, and just that ability to like fly and go into the places that a small little, like a little chickadee or something. Anyway, that's just kind of, <laughs> I, I have pondered that question before. If that moral on the sense of you, if you came back as something, what would it be? And I would be like little songbird. So our other game is if you had to switch three features with your partner, what would they be? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Um, we can't talk about all the things we play. <laughs> yeah. They're not podcast appropriate. <laughs> well, they are because we just put explicit in a way. Yeah. You go on, the, on the podcast. <laughs> but it's uh, it's probably one of those what set in hunt camp stays in hunt camp. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's pretty good. Does uh, d- does does hunt camps go on long enough where that it's like okay? That's driving me nuts. No. No. With so. each other? Yeah. No. No. Especially since we're with somebody different every day. Okay. Yeah. That's good I advice. We're women are great communicators and so <laughs> yes. no issues. <laughs> Where is We know each other's uh bad points like Merle gets grumpy in the morning, so we don't make her do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Whereas if it was if you were in camp with the hunting guys, it would be like about 40 minutes and you'd be looking to kill somebody. I don't know if they could stand all our giggling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think every single hunting partner that I have, there's some aspect at some point that just drives me nuts. It doesn't matter like what's going on. It can be a super good hunt. It's like that one person's going to do that one thing and you're just like, Oh, oh yeah. I got, I got one buddy that will, <clears throat> If if we're sitting in the duck blind, he's it's just a noisemaker. He'll just sit there and just like, he's like, oh man, like just stop. <laughs> it's like hours just blowing this thing. Guys, I've been bow hunting with at the start of the year in the elk archery season. Uh, they're like, okay, so we should talk about what we're gonna do tomorrow. What would you like to do? Well, I was thinking like maybe go in that such and such, you know, on that ridge and that basin and back and like do some calling. Oh, okay. Are you sure you want to do that or would you rather do, <laughs> do this? Yeah. It's like, why did you ask me that? It's like every night it's the same thing. Where would you like to go? So, um, Ariana, I wanted to ask you a little bit about this cause they, they seem to kind of, well, and, and you two kind of like your, uh, as, as your experience groups. Um, so how does it feel being like a mentor to friends? It's awesome. I feel yeah. very lucky and privileged to have the experiences that I've had and to have the knowledge that I have. And yeah, it's like some of my best friends, not only do we get to do fun stuff the rest of the year, but now we get to go out hunting together. Yeah. It's, yeah. Couldn't be better. And yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's fun watching people, as you're, I don't know, like seeing what comes to people intuitively already, it's not like a huge learning curve. Okay. I feel like these, like our, our friends are pretty adventurous outdoors already anyway. And yeah, it's just such a fun experience to share. So do you have a particular like 
like they're looking up to you like for guidance and education and stuff do you have like a an approach a style like I don't think I really thought about that going into it especially the first year okay I don't know if I really think about it like that now but I don't know I feel like we're just pretty open when we're out there like people have questions okay and yeah I don't know like these gals are talking to other people and reading and I don't feel like I'm their sole source of learning Right. Okay. No, that's good. Yeah. As, as opposed to having dependents that go with you and expecting you to kind of... Yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like that. Like, I feel like everyone's pretty confident on their own anyway. And just to have, yeah, just like a bit more experiences to share. But I think Ariana's good at like a leading by example. Because I think when I went out with her, I kind of follow her and we chat on the way or I'd just watch what she does. And then kind of at the end, if there felt like a good time. I'd ask her like, Hey, what, why did you do that? Or like, did you mean to do that? Was that something you did? And then she would answer, but I felt like I learned a lot just from watching her and asking questions. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so you're pegging her style as kind of the lead by example. I would say. As opposed to Emily, stop that. Emily, don't do that. No, not like that. (laughs) Emily, put that down. I like to think I'm not that. (laughs) (laughs) What what about yourself, Hannah? Um, I think just going back to Ariana for a second, like when uh, when I went on my first hunt camp with these girls, like I just I thought Ariana was like so experienced, which she is. But I was like kind of intimidated because she does lead by example. So she doesn't talk a lot. And I talk a lot. <laughs> and so I was, like, I was like, man, she is hardcore. Like, I don't know how I'm going to keep up with her. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And then after the first hunt camp, I was like, okay, I just need to trust myself a little bit more. Like Ariana's totally chill. But she just, um, it seemed like there was like this intensity about her and I was like, man, I gotta be like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I look up to Ariana. I feel like I really respect her. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Those are too kind. <laughs> and then I feel like I just try to make people feel comfortable. Like it can be like Taylor said, so overwhelming mm-hmm. to like get into cause there, there's a lot to know, but at the same time, like one of the things that my stepdad taught me is like, you don't need all the fancy gear. And you don't need the best gun and you don't need the best pack. You don't need all of those things. Like you can just go out and have a good time. And there's some basic things that you need to know, but you can just go out and do it. Just know what you're doing, be responsible, be ethical, and hear the things that you do that way. And you don't have to have the Sitka pants or the, you know, the best stuff. And so I feel like when Taylor and I were out, I don't know, I just try to make feel really comfortable and then Merle was the same thing Merle had a lot of questions <laughs> and I was just like it's not as complicated as you're making it out to be <laughs> don't, don't, don't overthink <laughs> it don't overthink yeah. it yeah yeah because yeah, I, I, I can see that role as being like uh, this real balance between like wanting to teach someone and share what you know but you also gotta like let people kind of like figure things out for themselves and kind of like find their way of doing it and then help them when they need it and yeah that's I think that's why I like waiting for questions because then you kind of can see where their mind's at or what they're picking up on that day I think my 
approach is just yeah keep them comfortable i always bring my jet boil and we usually always have tea or like a lunch fire yeah i was waiting for her to start up the jet boil <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's a tradition yeah that's the best part about going out with ariana yeah <laughs> That's why they call Hot me chocolate. Airy Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so fast. Taking care of us. <laughs> that's, oh, that's funny. What, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of sage advice in there, but if you ha- had to give advice to other women to kind of like fill that role, what are, what are some things of like advice for being a mentor? I mean, if you are an experienced woman hunter, it's like. I don't know. Be confident in yourself. You probably know what you're doing. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, I feel like kind of back to what Hannah was saying earlier about going out with her family. Like, yeah, you totally knew, like, you're a great hunter and don't downplay your skills or your knowledge. Right. No, that's really good. And by the sounds of it, the philosophy that you guys have have of just having fun first and everything else seems to fall into place. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we have a very low pressure mentality at our hunt camp of, because I made sure, like when I went out with Ariane and Hannah, I was like, if we see something, you cannot pressure me because I will stress out and <laughs> panic. I was like, yeah, calm, no pressure. And I feel like that is pretty, like through our camp hiking around, it's no pressure and it's just about getting out and yeah hanging out with our friends and that's a tough one because as you know like I mean there's times where you're hunting and it's like everything's casual and then all of a sudden like this situation unfolding and it is like it is serious and it is like go now and this now like this is gonna happen and it's like it I don't know it just seems like it has to unfold that way and I think if somebody's following they could all of a sudden be like holy shit, it's like really serious all of a sudden. But it's like, as the leader, the mentor, it's like, it's just like, you know, get with it, get going, like grab it, like go now, like hurry up. Cause you know, if you get there at that split second in time, they're going to have the most great opportunity in their life to get something. So it's, but if it doesn't work out, you don't want them to be like, oh my God, you were like the, scariest firm person ever <laughs> sort of thing so has that ever happened to you yes yeah. Well, yeah, no, not, in a good way not in a pressured way in a good okay. way mm-hmm. when we went out me and ariana and marika had got to camp early last year and we went out and just started walking around oh, yeah. and we had decided like this was my year like i was mentally prepared you know i was just feeling good and we like literally walk like 30 meters from camp and this like deer just walks out in front of us like I don't know like 30 meters away yeah. and they're like okay and I was like what no this is not how this is supposed to go like we're just we're in camp still and it was a mule deer anyways and we were hunting for a whitetail um but they were great they're like pumped up and ready for me and supporting me I'm like yeah do it and then like we were just taking a second and yeah obviously it was a muley but yeah. yeah, it was like the good, the perfect amount of like, you need a little nudge mm. um, to get ready for this, um, but not like too much. So I was yeah. pretty lucky when our friend got that deer, I spotted it and I was like, there's a deer there. So then we like hunkered down and sat and it, 
stood there for so long just feeding and then we had time to be like how far is it what do you think because we were both she was um that was her first deer too and mm. i had rarely been out hunting like that and i was like i don't know how far how far do you think you can shoot and so we sat there for i don't know probably two minutes talking about it and then she sat down and shot and i was like wow i want my first experience with a deer to be like that too and then we got back and talked to these girls and they're like that was an unbelievable experience you yeah, had never. so much time <laughs> yeah. you're so lucky and i was like oh yeah. <laughs> don't, don't expect it yeah <laughs> how did you guys find each other like to connect to we just all work together yeah mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. that that was that was relatively easy yeah do you know do you have friends like elsewhere other cities like like not here that are kind of in a situation where like they'd like to but it's like they can't find anybody like to hunt with i feel like it's fairly rare to have a group of women like this but yeah i don't know i feel like for the most part any of my newer friends getting into it or they've got at least one person to go out with okay i think after girls hunt camp though like i put a couple of pictures on facebook and instagram and stuff and i had a bunch of girls from home who maybe were in more of a similar situation to me like just always gone out with their boyfriend or their significant other or whatever reach out to me and say hey like oh my gosh how do I get in on this girl's hunt camp kind of thing and it was like a couple of girls that I knew and I was like oh I don't know like yeah two thousand dollars it's actually a guided trip (laughs) but it was cool to see the interest like girls reaching out so like Back to the women in hunting thing, I think it is still really important for like other women to see women doing like what they want to do. Absolutely. Especially like I was saying about Ariana, like when I lived here before I moved away, all of my friends were into very different stuff than me. Like I was like the redneck of my group, <laughs> like, oh, that's just a rant or Hannah. Like <laughs> I was definitely very different from my group. And then coming back and meeting these girls. Uh, and working with them, I was like, man, look how many strong, cool, young women I work with. Like, I've never had friends that are like me before, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And so I really looked up to Ariana because I was like, wow, look at Ariana. She's just like setting up her own blind and like <laughs> sitting in there with her bow. I'm like, wow, I can do that just on my own. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the great, I mean, it is a great thing of social media. There's the downfalls of it in hunting, but for exactly like people see that and a lot of people can see those types of things and get get inspired by that and maybe people you don't even know right like it's like i know that it's like there's people that you know reach out to you and it's like you have no idea where they're from or don't know who they are and it it can definitely influence them i mean the reason i kind of ask this is because when we were in Vancouver in January, we did a live podcast with um, Dylan from Eat Wild and um, the guys from Rookie Hunters and um, and Jenny from um, Chasing Food Club down in Vancouver. We did a, a night at Filson's and there was a bunch, bunch of people came and I met uh, a young lady there. She lives in Vancouver and just like downtown Vancouver just got like all of her hunting stuff and was like wanting to get into it but like knew nobody and it was like man that like I just really felt for her right because it's like like if you don't have someone to go with 
like that's that's tough right you know especially when you're i even find it when it's tough when i have experience like to go by yourself because it's like you know what do you do if you get something all this kind of kind of stuff or whatever and and um i i would i would have to imagine like for her living in a big city like that like that's got to be even more difficult like to find like obviously like another woman who's like at the same point would want to go because it's like you don't really want to like just like find some like stranger guy and find out he likes hunting or whatever and then all of a sudden it's like okay this is just like the you know do not do this type type scenario right online dating Other than, for hunting partners yeah, I mean, <laughs> at least you got a gun but um yeah so i i was just I've thought a lot about like that person in a, in a city and it's, and it's like, how does she find a group like you guys? How does she even find like one more person? Right. Like that's gotta be really, a really challenging thing. And like, I, I would say it's almost like that's a real significant barrier for her. Right. Like if it, something doesn't happen or she meets yeah. somebody, it's like, how long do you just sort of like give up on this dream of wanting, wanting to go hunting? So she should go to like conferences like the Wild Sheep Society convention. Oh, that's There's, a good idea, yeah. Or I don't know, like here we've got like I don't know, rod and gun clubs or the backcountry hunters and anglers. Yeah. I feel like it's been pretty welcoming in all those types of environments I've been in. No, that's a good idea. That's really good advice. Just seek those out and and go. Because yep. yeah, a lot more of those groups have women in them now, and it's like minded and. Yeah, no, that's 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 good. That's good advice. Definitely a big barrier to entry, though. Like when you like, we're so fortunate. I'm so fortunate. I feel like to come in here and <laughs> yeah, um, I don't have a ton of male hunters in my life. Mm. Um, I do have some, but yeah, this is like ground zero for me. <laughs> <laughs> I even like in Cranbrook here. I even feel bad for like guys if they were like adults and wanted to get into hunting you know just sort of like new starting into it and it's like when you look around like kind of like at the the male hunting community it's like that could be pretty intimidating right like oh i don't have a four-wheel drive truck with big tires on it and stuff it's sort of like you know for them to find same thing to find somebody that 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 would be be pretty tough but yeah again i think those groups like you were saying it i definitely like you know been to some of those things and see the opportunity for people to find somebody that they would connect with so yeah I have a friend who moved here and he really wanted to get into hunting and didn't know anyone and that's what he did he joined backcountry hunters and anglers and met some people through that group and went out a few times and so I think that's a really good suggestion yeah yeah no, that is for sure huh um so what other tips tips or advice would you have for uh for people listening women listening you know one of the biggest do you guys see this do you know people that keep talking oh i'm gonna get my the kind of like the fence sitters they just never get that like just go mm -hmm. do it right like what i think my advice would be don't put so much pressure on yourself like i think yeah, moving here, especially when I didn't know that many people, especially um, people that hunted, I felt a lot of pressure to, I don't know, go and get something or go and be a certain way or get the, some special gear. Or, yeah, if I see something, I have to shoot it. But I think 
now I've definitely have the mentality and it's been quite supportive of like, yeah, just go out. And it's really about the whole, the whole experience. And even if you see an animal and you get your scope on it and it doesn't feel right, no pressure. It's so much, so much more than that. Like a, a time will come when it'll feel right for you. Yeah. So I think that was, yeah, I would say, yeah, don't pressure yourself into either shooting something you're not ready to, or yeah, even just going out and saying, I'm just going to go out and accompany someone. I don't want to shoot anything, but I want to go out and have the experience. I have lots of friends that say that to me. I don't, I don't really want to shoot anything, but I want to have the experience and know where food comes from. And yeah, about something bigger than actually killing something yourself. Yeah, no, that's, that's good advice. Cause I could see the preconceived notions being somebody creating all the reasons of why they want to like stall off like you know getting their core and 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 moving because of all all the what ifs and you're just saying like don't worry about those because you have control over those decisions and yeah yeah. definitely yeah yeah huh no that's good yeah I feel like a lot of people I know that are getting into hunting don't like the idea of killing something or being responsible for that right and so I think it's really comes when you're ready for that you're ready for that yeah Yeah. no one I think it's when you've hunted more you like nobody I don't know I don't like the feeling of killing something either but I think it's so much more and you can have the feeling of being quite thankful and then when you go through the process after of cleaning it and eating it it's yeah really comes full circle and you see why you do it yeah yeah I feel like on that point my advice would be shoot your gun or your bow a lot Mm-hmm. This is advice yes. to myself that I have to follow. But yeah, I think that once you're comfortable with the gear that you've got and confident that you're a good shot, it eliminates a lot of factors once you're actually in the moment, ready to harvest an animal. Like you're confident you're not just going to wound it or mm. miss it, have a yeah. bad shot. That's very good advice. Um, I actually had a young fella earlier this year after a podcast. I think it was the one we did on bear hunting. Uh, he messaged me. He was on the island somewhere. He was a new first-time hunter, never had got anything. It was prior to the bear season, and he was messaged me about something, and we had this bit of a conversation, and he said, no, I'm not going hunting this year. I just need to shoot more because I don't feel I'm ready yet, and hopefully next year. And I was like, wow, that is like a lot of good self-control because it's like for me it's like it's just like let's go (laughs) (laughs) but but um so yeah that's uh, I I could see that in what you were saying Ariana with what that what that fellow said and that's that's a that's good advice even if you have to give yourself a year that is a huge one to to get comfortable with (laughs) yeah good what about you guys Any. I think my advice is just go get your core. <laughs> I think, uh, like, I got mine many years ago, and, um, you know, it takes a bit of organizing. Go find a course somewhere, actually take the course, and it just seems like, um, you know, so valuable, but it's also a bit of an administrative burden. It's like you have to go through these steps. Um, and I think just my advice is just go do it. doesn't mean you need to go hunting that year. It just... It's just something that you can start to wrap your mind around the concepts that you learn and and get that done and yeah yeah, yeah. 
no, that is that is good. I remember, I think I maybe even wrote an article on this last year about getting into hunting. And I know um, people can see like that as being like this huge thing to get done. And then that intimidates them right now. But it's like stop and back up and break all the steps into these little tiny things and then just knock each one off. So it's like, it's like, yeah, you got to get your core, but it's like, you have to find a core state and you have to like, and it's like, okay, don't get too far ahead. Just say like, you know, step one, find a core state. Step two, register. Like just in each one of those you do, you check it off and it's the incremental little step moving towards it. And people don't have this huge, oh, there's so much to do or there's so much mm-hmm. paperwork or my, and then my federal firearm pal, oh my God. Like, and then I don't have time for it right now. It's just like do these little tiny baby steps and yeah, do it so. in January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I think huh. I, I beat the confidence thing to death, but I think, um, one of the most important things too is like, don't stop learning, like make sure that you're confident in your own abilities, but also you can always learn something from someone you're with, even if they're not an experienced hunter, like Taylor, like I learned so much from Taylor, just being out with her and just hiking to the next ridge and pushing myself a little bit. Cause I think she's more fit than me. But, <laughs> um, you can always learn something from somebody else. So don't stop learning. Even if it's plant identification. Yes. Oh, love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Live for it. Yeah. Uh, we love some good plant ID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we're a good pair. Yeah. Never thought about it. Oh, that's... <laughs> so kind of uh, on the lines a little bit more of uh, advice. So here's this young guy here. He's got uh, a girlfriend. She's pretty cool. Um, she grew up on a hunting family. She hunts a little bit. Um, what advice would you have for him about bringing a woman into his life, into his hunting to make that all work? And this probably goes That's to like a tough one. all I, guys his age. <laughs> I've been recently reflecting on when my partner tried to teach me um, how to front crawl. Like, I think when you partner like swimming, yeah. <laughs> I was like, why are you crawling? No, yeah, swimming. Uh, he was a lifeguard and I wanted to like stink to start swimming for fitness. I think anyways, I don't know. That's a tough one. I think don't get frustrated. Be patient um, is the biggest thing. And it depends on how each person learns. Like for me, I'm kind of an observer. I just want to like kind of watch and like, I don't want someone necessarily just telling me every step of the way like just Mm. let me figure it out so i think my advice is um no mansplaining no mansplaining that's that's the name of the game don't mansplain (laughs) yeah Yeah, i would say the same thing no no pressure okay yeah i think let her bring the questions you know like yeah that's good yeah yeah i feel like when i was just getting into it my husband was good at gauging where my interest level was and like having easier days or like always bringing lots of snacks and chocolates. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring like, snacks. Yeah. Make it fun. Don't make it so serious about hunting. It's yeah. like about the experience you have together and bonding as a couple as much as it is about hunting. Okay. No, that's good advice. I, I learned warmth is a key thing. Critical. Get her heated insoles for her boots. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm bad with that because 
she's just getting into fly fishing too and i've i've done that my whole life and i guide for that and we were fishing on the the kootenai this spring and it was like minus five and snowing and i'm standing out there just just chucking she's like it's kind of cold i'm like oh what just suck it up just go through <laughs> it it's like oh yeah okay Uh, what about you I think one of the things that I wish would have happened for me in some of my earlier relationships would have been like now that I know this group of women and I've kind of had to push myself to lead is like let her lead once in a while Mm. if she wants to like I don't know how experienced she is but like um Maybe just asking her, like you were saying, in uh, in bow camp, like, where do you want to go or what do you want to do? And kind of like getting her to take that next step. I'm actually, my partner now, he did not grow up in like a ranching or a hunting family or anything like that. And I think one of the things I need to do sometimes is slow down and just say like, what do you want to do? Right. Instead, I'm like, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and get her to lead because I, yeah, until I met these girls, like I didn't feel, I felt like that was a big barrier for me and my boyfriend. I was like, we can't ever go and do anything because like he's not leading me. And if someone would have had pushed me to lead or like to do what I wanted to do, then I would have been way more confident to just be like, of course I can show you what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? No, those are, uh, those are, those are good points. Um, something else I wanted to touch on here. I think you and I had a conversation about this one time and it was, it's kind of around like this whole thing of hunting. There's, there's all these external kind of issues that go on with wildlife management and biology and hunting regulations and stuff that kind of create this whole aura around the hunting experience like it's in my mind like it's important to be involved in stuff and you know conservation and giving back and like you know some some way shape or form being involved in something but um i just remember you were saying something about like you just trust like wildlife managers to just do what they need to do and you just kind of like don't worry about it and whatever they say is like the seasons or what you're allowed or whatever you're just like I'm good with that and you just focus on your hunting experience and getting do you remember that Mm -hmm. kind of something along that lines like do you still feel that way like do you kind of or are you into it a few years now and you're like what do you mean there's five days shorter on the season? Yeah. You got to take the rifle season out of the rut. I think there's both sides of it. I think I think there's a lot of ego um, and people have, um, but I guess the flip side is I think a lot of people have um, years of experience, you know, hunting in the Rocky Mountain Trench, for example, and, and they have that knowledge on the land base for so long. Um, but then maybe there's also some people who've just, you know, got an ego and have opinions and... Mm. Um, I think that, um, you know, our wildlife managers, you know, it's, there's a lot of thought that goes into it and and a lot of science. Um, so yeah, for me, like, I don't know, I feel okay just to go out and, Mm -hmm. you know, that these are the regulations this year and, and that's okay with me. And, you know, maybe that'll change as I, you know, I'm hunting for a long, longer, but yeah, that's definitely, 
you know, I'm okay with it. Yeah. No, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Longer duck season. <laughs> no, longer duck season. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not long enough already. <laughs> yeah, I think as you, like, become a more experienced hunter, you, like, looking at the regulations is certainly, there's a lot of information in them. And, yeah, yeah it's a lot to digest, especially if you're just getting into hunting and you're like, holy shit, like, look at this manual of, like, how can I read all these rules? And I think once you, yeah, it's, it becomes easier to digest once you read a few versions or go back to it a few times and you're like, what was that season? What is that? And I think it's important to, yeah, educate yourself about, yeah, why the regulations are set the way they are and then question it if you want or not or, yeah, look into the science behind it and, Mm -hmm. yeah, educate yourself behind wildlife management. I think that's something that's quite important and is another kind of step in hunting is that piece and I think... Yeah, your guys' podcast is really important for that. I think you do a great job of explaining the background on why some decisions are made that a lot of people might not see the background of. They just read it on something and they're like, what the hell is that? Why would they do that? Yeah. 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 No, that's true. I mean, the reason I ask is because I just find like, um, and you probably see this, like a lot of hunters get wrapped up in like all this external stuff and it's really hard to just enjoy the activity of hunting and all those things we've been talking about because they just all that stuff always seems to get kind of drug into it it's kind of like the family dinners where it's like yeah the family i haven't seen you in the years and then somebody starts talking about politics and then all of a sudden it's like, you know or whatever and i i do find that in like like a lot of hunting circles it's just like it's like is anybody happy about anything <laughs> like to go out hunting is like can we just talk about like happy stuff and and uh so yeah I was curious what you know what your thoughts were and yeah I think the the best part and the worst part about hunting is the passion it creates in people (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's a good one the best and the worst part of it there's no doubt about that so yeah I think in anything though you always hear the squeaky wheel right Mm -hmm. you don't hear the noise of a not squeaky wheel (laughs) yeah so when it comes to things like this especially with social media and stuff nowadays you're not going to hear from the person who doesn't spend time on there and who's doing the right thing sometimes like you know like obviously you hear from you guys and stuff but um yeah you don't like I find that in our jobs as well as like you don't always hear from the people who are like doing the right thing or just keeping it on the down low and keeping it really chill you're always going to hear from that really squeaky wheel yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no I always you know part of part of why I like you know, sort of this conversation, what your thoughts are on it is, is like, I see people that are like new, that are getting into hunting, they're following what we're doing, they're writing us, they're asking questions and stuff. And it's like, I find it's this balance between going, like, these are some important issues that need to be talked about in like the future of things. And then it's sort of like, we're still damn lucky and this is a lot of fun and we can, we got great opportunities here and it's like, just go do it. It's like, you know, if there's a doe season and you want to get some meat and there's 10 days in the fall, just go like, just that's, they figured it out. Like, just don't feel bad about it or whatever. And I find that like, there is this balance between sort of like educating and then it's just like, just go have fun. This is like the greatest thing ever. So, um, yeah, no, that's good. I think I think it sounds like you guys are not not dragging that stuff into your camp with you. And 
don't think so. <laughs> Probably like, not. No, yeah. <laughs> nobody talk about grumpy stuff while we're in yeah. hunting camp. So. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, any uh, any kind of final thoughts on your guys' hunting experience together? What's your plans for this year? We haven't really got that far in planning, but we usually set up a wall tent. My wall tent that has like the wood stove and oh, cool. a couple bunk beds, sets of bunk beds. But I was thinking this year would be pretty sweet to have a cabin. Yeah, that would be pretty oh, luxury. Yeah. Like to uh, stage out of a cabin somewhere. Yeah. Well, this might be the year to do it because I think there's going to be a lot of outfitter camps out there that <laughs> aren't going to have clients. so They wouldn't yeah. mind a little they, pack of women in there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> long, long as you pay the bill when you leave. <laughs> no, that would be uh, that would be definitely pretty cool, especially if the weather was crappy. Yeah. Stage out of a out of a cabin. I think eventually I'd like to see us do a pack trip because that's what I know how to do and like to do. So I'd like to do a horse pack trip. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 I want to take everybody duck hunting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You need to do that. I I just, we've got, like I said, we've got into it in the last bunch of years and it is just like the most fun. Uh, there's a couple things about waterfall hunting that are so different. It's like you can, you go out and you get set up, you get your little blind and stuff. And it's like, so your boat's over there, maybe your truck's there and you've gone like 400 yards or 300 yards and you set up and that's it. You're done. You're like, you're not, there's no hills. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like yeah. it's just like and then you just plunk down and it's like you get set up you get your coffee and you can sit there and talk like this mm-hmm. there's no like what are you doing there could be an elk up on the mountain he's gonna hear you and you're like really it's like a kilometer away so you just and then all of a sudden it's like oh, oh ducks 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 you know and, and you, and you kind of get you get you all ready but it's so much more like chill and then when so, a bunch of ducks yeah. come in, it's like, this is all, you know. I, I definitely, and I think that's why I gravitate to it, like, even more so than, than big game. Because uh, just the fly fishing thing, like, I'm such a big fly angler, and it has a lot of that aspect to it. You know, you're just kind of a little bit more social, kind of some fast-paced action, and then, you know, it slows down, and it's it's not like a big, huge mission. Yeah. You can just go out there and... Yeah, and it's fun, fun and getting so many opportunities in the same day. Oh, and, and you realize yeah. how much you actually suck at shooting. Shooting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go out and we, we went out and I took a couple friends out and just before we went out duck hunting, we did some skeet shooting. And by the end of it, it was like, you know, 15 out of 15 skeets. It was like, just dusted them. I was like, oh yeah, we're ready to go. And I was like, first 20 ducks that came in, it was just like, nothing, nothing. Is, is that a year experience with your family like growing up, like on the prairies? Is it like... Is yeah. it a little bit more chill or is it more serious? No, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, usually um, opening day, my dad and all his buddies and their kids go out and we all set up on this island in the middle of this big wetland and yeah, they dug these blinds in there and we all sit and there's usually two or three dogs and this group of ducks come in and, oh, and then all <laughs> the dogs go out and yeah, it's so, yeah, same thing, so exciting. Like I think, yeah, I think I like that because it's, exciting ones then you sit down and by the time your nerves calm down like another group of duck ducks come in and yeah, yeah I, I love it it's almost kind of like taking a break from hunting or a day off of hunting without actually 
not hunting. Not hunting, yeah. I do, yeah. I do yeah. feel <laughs> that waterfowl hunting's that way. And, and it's sweet because, I mean, turkey hunting's awesome, but it's like the la- if, if you don't get anything, the later the season goes, it's like the earlier you're getting up and you're tired and you're like, oh man, like this is like two weeks in and I got to get up at freaking three, three in the morning. in the morning now. Or waterfowl hunting's the other way. The first like couple weeks, it's like, you know, you're up at like four in the morning and you're set up by seven. But by the time, you know, we're hunting waterfowl and late like mid-December 10 o'clock in the morning (laughs) (laughs) sleep until like 8 and get up and drive out there and set up and and ducks are so delicious they're so beautiful up close you would never see it unless you have one in your hand unbelievable yeah their feathers are so beautiful yeah yeah and even like what you were saying about like grouse hunting you know how how important that is it's I've I've actually done trips now in the later part or mid part of the fall and I go put up a camp. I usually go by myself and that's all I do is grouse and snowshoe hair. Nice. And, or I've just picked days where I'm just going to go out with the shotgun and walk some old roads where before I was always like, yeah, but what happens if like, I see like a six point bull elk or whatever, right in October. And I'm just like, I finally, I was just like, forget it. Who cares if I do, it's like, I'm going to be damn, would have been nice to have my rifle, but it's like, it's just enjoyable to go grouse hunting. It's just less, you don't have to worry about if you get a grouse going, oh my God, what did I just do? <laughs> and if you saw the six point bull elk, my grandpa would say, shoot the chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> if, the, if the two of them are lined up. So the one that I got to get dialed in better, maybe your dog's going to be good for this is snowshoe hares. He loves bunnies. Because they're like, I go out in the wintertime. I've been doing more of that. Because, like, I don't know if you know this, but, like, snowshoe hair, like, open, like, on, like, the 1st of August. And they go to, like, the end of June. I think July is, like, the only month they're closed. It's, like, that's a lot of, like, going out hunting. But you can go out when there's snow on the ground, and they are, like, the most abundant animal on the face of the planet. And it's, like, you can spend all day out there and not see one of them. And it's, like, okay, there's, like definitely a need for dogs with these things so i feel so. like i could train my dog to do that oh, yeah. yeah we shuttle mountain biking a lot riding like downhill mountain biking and the dog she's in the truck because it's a bit too fast for her to you know she has to do one lap and then the rest of the lap she has to stay in the truck and driving down like she's just like vibrating like ready to jump out the truck window like oh get the, the bunnies get so. the bunny oh the money the season yeah. yeah well that's good you get you get them out waterfall hunting this year yeah yes you'll have a lot of fun (laughs) to get another gun (laughs) you will you will and then the trouble you'll have is you'll done all this practicing with a rifle where it's like you get on a target you hold steady and the shotgun it's like no you don't stop you gotta like swing shoot and keep moving and stuff and i'm still in rifle mode where it's like swing stop shoot miss (laughs) it's it's pretty funny watching him like (laughs) pop up and it's like the ducks are coming in and it's like it's like oh here we go here we go and then he stops and he shoots shoots, like 10 feet behind the dock i'm like what are you doing (laughs) the worst part is is like the second you do it you realize what you've just done wrong yeah so um awesome thanks for that thanks for uh that discussion that was that was good hopefully uh people got a lot of value and uh, maybe some encouragement and stuff in there whether you're a woman that wants to get into hunting or a guy 
we have a mutual friend who has the first initial starts with an R who's been talking about, oh, I yes. want to go hunting. And it's like every time I message him and it's like, no, I haven't gone to, and it's like, Ross, just go yeah. take the goddamn yeah. course. Yeah. Get out there. Stop worrying about getting a picture of a bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so has may, he still not seen a bear? No, he's I, he did. He's I think seen he's seen one. Now. Yeah. He was messaging me this morning about where I go bear hunting and, he went out there looking for the roads and stuff and then uh, tried yeah. to drive his truck. I'm like, no, you don't. You walk them because they get all grown over. Oh, okay, that makes sense, he said. So, um, Hey, just want to do a couple uh, shout outs here at, uh, at the end. So <clears throat> I've been seeing on social media that um, backcountry hunters and anglers, uh, both in Alberta and BC, have been out a lot this spring doing the public lands cleanup. So I just want to give you guys a shout out and uh, say uh, thanks uh, for doing that on public lands. Uh, I posted a picture on social media a few weeks back and why I think this is important. And there was a fellow, I think, in Oregon or Colorado or something like that got a picture on his game camera of a bull elk walking by with a tire around its neck and they they haven't been able to find this elk afterwards it's living with this tire around its neck so when you see stuff uh, in the media BHA groups out cleaning up public lands um, that's one of the reasons so and the local group here did a big tire cleanup a couple of weekends ago so um, that's pretty cool the other thing that um, just kind of popped up I thought was a little bit interesting, there is a new group up in northern British Columbia, some kind of a mountain goat society. And um, so I've been, somebody else uh, sort of asked me about what I knew about it, and uh, it seems to be a group that is like not inclusive of hunters. Um, they kind of use the non-consumptive and kind of, it's got a little bit of that, that kind of, um, flair, flair to it. So I just thought this was kind of interesting. Um, if you are interested in mountain goats, whether you're, you know, a hunter or not, um, I am going to put a plug in here for the Rocky Mountain, um, goat Alliance, as well as the Wild Sheep Society of BC. Uh, and I would recommend joining those organizations uh, for a couple of reasons. One, they're very science-based. They're very focused on putting money, uh, raising money and putting it onto the ground where it makes a difference to wildlife. But the other thing I really think is they're very inclusive groups. It doesn't matter whether you're a hunter or not. They're there for sheep conservation and for goat uh, conservation and they don't have that air of of sort of being like only one or, or the other group being involved so um, I think that's uh, something for you to look uh, into it was interesting I just found out that a professional photographer rejected allowing one of his images to be used for the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance in one of their publications because they actually have stated that they support sustainable mountain goat hunting so um, anyways, if you're something that you're into, uh, I would say join one of those two groups and continue to strengthen the work that they do for, um, goats and sheep and all the other animals across North America, actually, that, that they benefit. Um, 
episode five of the Round Canada podcast. I, lo- I released that last week. Uh, that was a it, big one. Yeah, it was. It was, it was an hour one. It was fairly long. There was a, a lot going on between between episodes. There, this one's called. Uh, the title of uh, episode five is "It's More Like a Grizzly Bear Meat Grinder." <laughs> so you've got to go listen to find out what that's uh, about, as well as a whole bunch of other uh, uh, updates, what's going on in science conservation and responsible hunting all across Canada. And um, hey, just a shout out to a fellow that wrote in uh, to me the other day. His name's Brett Granger. Uh, thanks for writing in um, from Kimberly, BC. Appreciate hearing from you. Yeah, I, I read that message too. Yeah. yeah. So you guys need to go fishing. Yeah. Again. Cool. Thanks for coming on the show, you guys. Well, sorry. Really I got, appreciate it. Oh, you got yeah, an got, update. Got a, That's I, right. I got a little thing I want okay. to talk about here. Um, so yesterday, I believe it was, the July 12th, um, the BC Wildlife Federation basically proposed a moratorium on the commercial chum fishery in the Fraser River for October and November, which is when the peak of the Fraser River steelhead come up. Um, the Fraser River steelhead, in case you guys aren't following that, um, you know, steelhead numbers are in crazy decline. A uh, whole bunch of stuff, you know, stuff that's going on in the ocean and uh, a, a big thing with the with the salmon fishery. Um, so go check that out. Uh, we'll post a link in the show notes. Um, but also, you know, even just right now, Google uh, BC Wildlife Federation Chum Moratorium. Uh, it's really cool. They've laid out uh, a letter. You can either just send that letter, or it's better if you go in and kind of tweak it a little bit so it's it's not all the same, but it's, it's a really slick thing. You go in there, put your name down, um, put your address, and it selects all your... Um, elected officials in your region so you don't have to look any of that stuff up and you send and it basically sends this letter they're looking for 2,000 letters and I think this morning or after work when I checked today uh, they're at like a hundred and something but uh, yeah the the Thompson River steelhead it, it looks like they're they're below 200 spawning adults which the Thompson River used to be the pinnacle of of steelhead fishery in the world um, and now there's there's less than 200 spawning adults uh, the Choco River is less than 50 spawning fish now um, yeah it's just not good I mean steelhead are a, a pretty cool species I've been lucky enough to to shake hands with a couple of them and they're just they're just so cool and I think whether you're a, an angler or not or a steelheader or not you should uh, go in there have a read up of what they've said about it send a letter in um, you know, you know, nobody wants to see uh, uh, any species get wiped out, uh, wiped off the earth. So, um, yeah, yeah that's let's, let's kind of do our part for the steelhead and hopefully we can. Uh, Sometimes we have to take action. So exactly. and have our voices heard. Um, yeah, cool. Thanks. Thanks for doing that. So uh, Hannah, Taylor, Ariana, Emily, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate your guys' uh, perspectives. And uh, do you want to announce you guys are like starting up a podcast and people can start following you? And <laughs> yeah. you're, huh? you're going to do it live from Hunt Camp? Take, taking applications for Hunt Camp? Yeah. yeah. We're not taking applications. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got our hands full with ourselves. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't know. You might get a whole whole bunch of requests after this. So I'm stoked now for this year. We haven't really talked about it much yet, but brings yeah. back a lot of good memories. Yeah. If I'm someone has a cabin, I, you can write in and I will pass on your Perfect. name to them. So there we go. Time to start menu planning. Yes. <laughs> All your fancy, all your fancy meals. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks right. so much for having us. It was yeah, really thanks fun. So much. It was a great, great conversation. great conversation. It's actually been in the works for quite a while yes, talking about it. So uh, glad it all came together here uh, in Cranbrook, British Columbia. So thanks again. And uh, hey, everybody, we will see you in the next episode. <laughs>